Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Thrive in EDU podcast. I am Rochelle Danae Post, your host, and I actually have a guest today. But before I introduce my guest, I just want to remind you, please subscribe to the podcast. Also, my blog, which is www.rdene915.com. And you can also pick up my newsletter as well. All right. So, if you've been listening, you know that most of the time it's been a conversation with myself, but I'm very fortunate today because I have a guest with me and I'm excited to talk to him, not just to learn more about the work that he's doing and things that he's working on, but also because of the topic that we're going to cover today. So first, welcome to Micah Miner. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Michelle. Of course. I, uh, I'm glad to have this chance to chat with you about, well, I don't want to do any spoilers yet. We'll get into that in a moment or two. But for anybody who does not know you, um, could you give us just a little bit of your background? Like what brought you to where you are today? Oh, okay. Well, briefly, um, I am a teacher since 2004 who ended up um, getting into administration a few years back and uh, before that, I was a coach and a department chair for social studies. So I've enjoyed teaching in urban settings, Chicago public schools, and I work at a district right outside of Chicago now. So me and my wife is also an educator. Um, her name's Rachel, not Rochelle. But uh, yeah, we this has been about a lifelong passion of ours since we had originally met. So that's what we do. We try to help kids. Yeah, well, you have definitely taken on a variety of roles in education. And as like, People say, I mean, you've been teaching for a while now. I always joke, I've been teaching since, you know, the last century, the 1900s. I don't know that I will ever get tired of saying that because it's just kind of funny right now to say that. But uh, people tend to think that it gets easier the longer that you're in education. And I say, yeah, no. How do you feel about that? Uh, it is the last few years specifically have been the hardest <laughs> in memory uh recovering from the pandemic and as uh, i wore a few hats and as a district administrator keeping quality teachers i think it's actually gotten harder and honestly uh rochelle the times have changed and we can't teach like it was in i don't remember if, if like you're not might have been late 90s or whenever when you started i was 2004 um we have to constantly reinvent some version of pedagogy while keeping in con uh, keeping um together the original really well done um, pedagogies that we know that works. So it's gotten harder, I think. Um, what, is, what are your thoughts yeah, on that? Yeah, I definitely think so because uh, for a variety of reasons, you know, one with the with all the technology that has come to the classrooms, I mean, it's great because it helps us to do things that in prior times took a lot longer. So that's fantastic. But also with so much technology, like schools are bringing on lots of new initiatives into their classrooms and teachers need a lot more training. Plus with all the emerging technology that's coming out now, it's like you can't teach the way that you had been teaching. Like No matter how you feel about technology, you're going to have to embrace it to some extent because it's changing so much of what we're doing. And as we learned when schools were closed, I mean, Think about like if we didn't have all of the tools that we had available to us, what would we have done if this were back in the 1900s? Right. Like we would have just school would have just stopped. Work would have just stopped. I, like, I, I don't know. But it does tend to get more difficult. And I think part of that is just because there are new issues that are coming up in education for, you know, how we teach uh, the needs of students, the needs of educators and, and all of that. So it's just proof in fact that we're always learning 
you can't ever stop learning because there's always something new and different and you can't uh, hold back, even if you don't feel like you're an expert, but it is exhausting. Like if you're doing it right, you're tired. <laughs> Usually like after the first couple of periods that you've taught, but uh, definitely at the end of the day. So yeah, uh, but it is a very rewarding experience to be in education regardless of your, of your role. Uh, personally, I don't know that I could be in administration just because you are just on all the time even though teachers are kind of on all the time but that's a whole different experience yeah yeah, to yeah be it really, it, and and that's not something that i had originally thought i was going to be in but you know circumstances change and as you know when you talk about keep learning you're, you i mean i believe you're finishing your doctorate too and, and how important it is to continually learn even if it's not um something that you know is directly related to the classroom learning how to transition professionally is constant like reskilling ourselves would be a word that i've been hearing a lot um which could lead us to the next conversation but like reskilling ourselves and reviewing some of the things about how the students have changed over the years is i think a really important part of it and as any administrator and teacher needs to know that you know we lead the work but teachers do the work and you're the first and best most important kid uh most important relationship to the kids life in school is the teachers so um yeah yeah, I agree with that. And that, that reskilling and changing all of that there was, and I, I had just written something about this a couple of weeks ago, I went back to, it was a blog from years ago and also a conference that I had attended about, you know, the, the loss of jobs due to automation and all of these. And a lot of it, you know, a lot of what I was reading and people were talking about was that it's not that you're going to completely like lose your job. You're just going to have to kind of learn some new skills or learn like, to do it in a different way, I guess. Uh, so it'll be interesting to dive into our conversation today. So people might be wondering, what are they going to talk about besides you know, life as an educator? Well, it's gonna be about AI and artificial intelligence, if you're not sure, because when I ask students or anybody, they come up with, I think they're just you know, trying to be funny and they come up with different words for the AI, but it is artificial intelligence. And it is a topic that I get super geeked out about all the time, love talking about it, love teaching about it in my classroom, writing about it, you name it. Uh, there's just so much going on. And so I know you have a lot going on when it comes to AI. And so I cannot wait to hear all about what you've been up to and get to share that with everybody else. And anything that we talk about, you know, uh, your website, uh, not a spoiler. There may or may not be something, you know, an upcoming book. Going to leave that right there. Just a little spoiler. Uh, anything that I have that we talk about, I will link into the show notes. But do you feel like diving right into our big topic sure. today? All yeah, right. I mean, I think it's, um, as you know, uh, a lot of the people who've been talking about this a lot, which are people like you and I, we've known this for a little while, but uh, there was just this window and it's almost like a year anniversary of the chat GPT phenomenon that's taken over the world. And um, a lot of us were underprepared for the amount of uh, conversation and societal implications of that. And I think when that came out, I believe it, I was, I was at the Apple campus in early January last year with my superintendent and my a couple other people. And they, we were doing this like um, education updates, which they do to their people once in a while. And so we were in campus and we were talking about AI and ChatGPT, and we'd already, already had had some exposure to it. Um, 
But at that point, we were still trying to figure out as educators, like what to do with it, right? You have this generative AI tools that can like write things for you. It was before the release of some of the more advanced models like ChatGPT4 and cloud and all these other things. Like, so it was just like, we were at the tip of this really big change. And at that moment I knew, um, when I was talking with other leadership and other people in technology, that this was something we needed to one, get caught up with really, really quickly if we have not been a part of the conversation. And two, we needed to figure out ways to prepare our students and our teachers for it. Um, that includes, along with teaching certain students, of course, the, the community members and the parents who are also kind of freaking out by it. Um, and so I took it as a place for me to do some heavy research for a few months and then um, I worked with, uh, you know, I, I get the ability or the freedom to be able to be both a curriculum leader because I oversee social studies and an instructional technology leader. So I oversee instructional technology, not the IT part, but the instructional tech and that like bridge between two very different parts of our educational um, you know, uh, experiences just provided me with some opportunities to do some really quick training on it and catching myself up and then starting to provide others with guidance and leadership on what we should do as a district and as a school level and as a professional development level. level. And um, and so I did come up with this book idea where I thought it was timely enough to help provide guidance and Times 10 Publications was nice enough, if you know Mark Barnes, to uh, pick it up. And uh, so him and I had a few conversations about it and then we decided to try to go for it with somebody like you and I who have some depth of, of, of understanding with it, who've done research by it and are in roles where it becomes really, really important to provide the conversation base for it. So I wanted to just build a, a book that was able to give teachers a quick guide on like what it is and how we can apply it. So that's how I kind of walked into the book space. Um, it is, if you go to my website, micaminer.com, it is, uh, it's changed a couple times the title because it's one of those things, but uh, it's called AI Goes to School, which I think is a really quick catch up on like what's happened over the past year. So thank you for Rochelle for bringing it up. But my my heart has always been to like support teachers in it. I've uh, you and I have both been at a few conferences together. We've done a remote uh, remotely or virtually, and we've also I've personally been able to do a lot of state level work and a couple of national conferences to kind of provide people with the context of the conversation. Um, and it was used to, I mean, you know, two years ago, Rochelle was the metaverse, right? That was the big thing during the pandemic. The metaverse was going to come and take over teaching. Um, and then, then generative AI kind of changed the conversation. And I think eventually they're going to merge in a future uh, because the tools are going to both be uh, able to be used. So I do a little bit of uh, background and conversations around that. And my district has a, a budding pilot about how we can use, you know, metaverse and VR headsets and how we can use it for social studies and science instruction. But that's kind of the, the cusp of what I've been trying to do over the past few months. I've probably done about a dozen conferences over the past few months. It's been draining. My wife's a little tired of <laughs> me having to go again. But that's kind of where we're at. But Rochelle, you've been very active in like building teachers up even in your role as a teacher. And I think we as an educator um, leadership community needs to be able to help guide the conversation. So that's yeah. where we're at. Yeah, it's like crazy to think that it has been almost a year since ChatGPT. And I remember being, you know, the, the very first time that I did a presentation on AI was probably the spring of 2018. I think it was. And I put in the proposal and I was super nervous about it, but I was like, you know what? I always say it, no matter what, what I'm speaking on, I say, I'm not an expert. I'm just somebody who like spends a lot of time on the computer or, you know, works in my class with my students and you know, I'm not afraid to like take risks with them. But I remember doing the first presentation. I'm like, 
okay, that wasn't so bad. You know, you start from somewhere and you, you just, you dive in with it. And then I had put in a proposal to do a session on it for ISTE of that year and it was accepted. And, you know, like you think, oh, I have all this time. I can work on this, get it all together. Next thing you know, it's June. You're like, oh, I guess I should probably <laughs> put that together. And then, and it was fine. And then the following year, I think it was 2019, FETC, I had done it. And I had, I was really nervous about that one. And uh, I had a friend of mine come in with me and I remember just like talking about all these different things. And, but I started to feel like a little bit more comfortable with it because I had taken, ISTE had their AI course the very first year it was offered. So I took that. And then I just explored things in my classroom, but each conference, I mean, there was definitely, and, and I know, you know, that you've seen this too. Like there's definitely has been, even before ChatGPT, there was a big interest in all things. And I, I laugh when you said metaverse, because I, I remember putting it, well, writing an article about the metaverse like two years ago, and then putting in to do a presentation about like all these things, NFTs, blockchain, metaverse, AI, you name it, thinking I had all that time to get it ready. And the next thing you know, I'm like, oh, that conference is two weeks away. I guess I should put that together. And, um, and we're still talking about it. There was a, a virtual event a couple of weeks ago, but you're right. Like there's all of these things that are merging. You got the realities, you got the AI, you got the metaverse. And it, it'll be it'll be interesting if I'm still teaching in 10 years. I don't know. We'll see what happens in that point. But, you know, will I have a digital twin? you know, what will teaching look like? And I think that's why we're hearing all of these terms, even if we don't necessarily think that they will be applicable to us because we put that word in like, I'm just a whatever teacher, we still need to know about them. And, and what that means, maybe not necessarily for us, but for our students, especially because you, I just had a conversation with somebody about you know, what are the skills that students need? I'm like, gosh, they need so many. I mean, you look at the World Economic Forum and they have like the job skills outlook. Uh, I said, you know, being an entrepreneur, you have something you're interested in. You just like go that route. Uh, there's so many, so many possibilities. But like in education, if we look at just this past year and how fast all of these technologies are coming up, what do you recommend, you know, like, I told you how I started, like, I'm just like, oh, yeah, I'm going to start. Uh, what do you recommend or what strategies do you have for teachers if they're thinking, OK, I'm all, all I'm hearing is AI. I know that I need to do something with this, uh, but I don't want to lose my connection with the students. So right. how do they kind of like find that balance? You know, we hear terms like the over-reliance on technology and, uh, you know, replacing humans and all of that. Like, do you have any strategies that you have recommended, whether in your own school or at conferences or just in conversations that could help teachers who are like, okay, yes, I know I need to do this, but how do I do it effectively? Yeah, um, I, I start off every conference with a quick poll and it's always like, how many of you know if your district has come up with some sort of academic uh, policy or procedure around AI and 95% of the people are like, mm, no. You know, so the first step, and I tell the teachers to do this, like start going talking to your administration. Um, kids are using it no matter once, uh, no matter what. So it's a matter of empowering us as teachers to use it well and teach students how to use it ethically. I was in a sixth grade classroom a few weeks back. We were doing some distribution with one of my instructional coaches and one of the kids, um, and she brought up something about, hey, have you ever used AI before? And the kids were like, no, what's that? Like they're sixth grade, right? And you know, like you said, AI could mean a lot of things. And then um, I, I was like, how many of you have used your Snap AI? 
Oh, you mean that snap thing that has like that you can ask questions about? I'm like, yeah, how many of you have used that? Oh, I've used it. How many have used it for work? And then they all raise their hand. I was like, you know, that's plagiarism. And they're like, really? What's plagiarism? So you have to have this conversation. My sixth grade daughter had a friend that she was texting with and was like, hey, let's use our snap AIs to make little songs about each other. Like kids are using it. So I think the important part for us as teachers is realizing that like we may not be, like you said, fully like briefed on everything. But one, make sure you're asking your administrators, hey, what are the policies about it? Two, listen to podcasts like Thriving EDU. It'll give you some really good examples of how it can be used. Um, and make sure that you're um, working with other teachers or a local expert of yours who might be on your content team or on your, you know, uh, board chair or whatever department chair or whoever your your um, leadership roles are broken out and just say, hey, have we thought about this? Maybe we can reach out and have somebody in an hour give us a quick background so that we can be prepared for the conversation. Um, in social studies uh, instruction specifically, I've been written a few articles about the argument how AI literacy should be part of the conversation in social studies, K-12, because social studies is where you talk about the history of, of um, technology. Social studies is where you talk about ethics and morals and the failures or some of the things that we've done great in history. So AI literacy should be a part of all content areas. And I've been finding ways to incorporate it in civics conversations in my middle schools and um, elementary conversations for digital citizenship with my tech coaches. So we just have to start having like an understanding that we're going to be be okay to be uncomfortable and be professionally humble and start pursuing our own learning. Right. Um, I noticed um, in a lot of the podcasts that are series, there's so many AI resources. So stick to the people, you know, if you already know Rochelle and she does a great job supporting you as a teacher and you understand you can go to her podcast, look up that one podcast that helps with AI um, and then just start building your own expertise. And then from there, we need to start telling our leadership to, hey, it's time to step up. It's time to build that academic policy. It's time to have our um, my superintendent and I presented down in um, state. I'm in Illinois. So in the IASA, the superintendent's conference, where we talked to like 60 superintendents in the state who came to our session, be like, hey, start talking to your boards of ed. Start thinking about the implications. How are you going to construct a policy that is not going to deny and like not let kids use it at all? But how can you do it as an iterative part of process of like assessments? And so um you teach it, I mean, I believe you have high school, right? You're a high school teacher, right? So you've yeah. been teaching it as part of your STEM um, support. So like there's almost every single content area has an opportunity on a, on a news Friday or on everything to start exploring that conversation with your students. And don't be afraid that they know more than you. It's okay, but you, they don't know how to use it the way you wanna teach them how to use it. You, and it should be a part of our assessments. And we also need to like review ourselves. The Googling, um, you know, there's that term that used to happen, Rochelle. I'm sure you've heard it in schools. Like you can't make a test Googleable. Well, now you can't make a test AIable, right? Um, or if you are going to do it, start it as an iterative process of doing the entire assignment, saying, hey, this let's use the table of contents creation with AI and let's use it as a way to help brainstorm and then stop. We're not going to do it for the first draft. We want your own words. And then, hey, third step, let's incorporate it into um, our feedback for how well we wrote this one. You know, we want to create a process for them to think through it and not make it give students less accountable, but have students have better outcomes because they're more accountable to the conversation. And I think when we do those steps like that, we're going to be able to provide our kids with a brighter future because uh, the class of 2030, 2035 last year where ChatGPT came out, they're the kindergartners who just walked in. I was walking in the buildings last uh, last March and I was thinking about this really big, like every single year of their 12, 13 years of education coming, they're going to have AI tools in education from kindergarten forward. Their 2035 class is going to have a vastly different world than you and I, Rochelle, could even imagine, good or bad or whatever. Um, and so it's not too early. 
to have those conversations and figuring out both as a team, as a leadership team, and as schools, how are you going to answer and help students build up that idea about AI literacy? So that's my long, like, <laughs> I'll, step, yeah. I'll step down from the soapbox, but that's the kind of thing that we need to do. It's not as hard as you think, is what yeah. I'm saying. And we all have to be a part of the conversation and realize it's a group effort. Yeah. And no, you can, because everything you were saying, I was like, Yes. And then I'm like, I'm going to go back and ask you a question about this. And then, then you end up answering the question I was going to ask you about this because it's popping into my head. But like there, there is so much and it can be, you know, one of the things, and this is not something new, just like the overwhelm and it's not just teachers. I mean, anybody, anybody in the world at this point, I mean, it, what, no matter what you do, the last couple of years have been a challenge in work to like keep things moving. But especially as it comes to education, I know, you know, like, oh, here's all these free tools and this is available for free and it has this and this. But like there's overwhelm that comes with that because where do you where do you start? Or you feel like you have to be an expert, which for me, for a long time, I always felt like I have to know every single word in French and in Spanish. Like I don't know all the words in English, let alone in a second or third language or, you know, parts of a car. Like I'll say to my students, you could open up the hood of a car and ask me to identify the parts of it. I said, I might get like two things right. And that will be it. But I speak English, so I should know it. Right. And then that goes into like speaking Spanish and the use of AI. I mean, for years, you know, Google translate or whatever translator that you would want. Now I have to go, Oh, Google translate or chat GPT. I used to always say, don't do it. Don't use it. You're going to get a zero, but I never really explained enough why they shouldn't. And instead I switched that. It all started to even going back to like digital citizenship and social media usage and telling the kids like, don't use it. Well, we know they're going to like, the reality is, okay, if they can't use it in school with the chat GPT, for example, they can use it outside of school. They may not be the, the age that it's, they're supposed to be. They can still get access to it. And so I have long said since, especially since January, because, you know, everybody was like, oh, what's going to happen to the world of education? And, you know, kids aren't going to do anything anymore. And creativity is going to go out the window and like all of these things. And I said, but we are in the best position in our schools to work with right. students. And that means we have to dive in as well. And are we the experts? Definitely, definitely not. I mean, I do a survey in my sessions as well, and I have a, a one through five and it has stayed pretty much like it has not gone to a bell curve yet at all. There's, there's more twos than there, there are ones. There's a few fives and they're usually people that are coming in that actually are building the products. But in our schools, you know, we have to understand how we can use it, how to help the kids figure out how to use it. And I like you had mentioned about like the table of contents and then stop. And that reminded me of a conversation I had with Holly Clark a couple of months ago where we said, you know, you get four groups of students and they each have the same task. And you say one can use their one group can use notes, one can use Google, one can use ChatGPT, and one you've you've got the book. And then what does it look like when you put all that information together exactly. and can you tell, you know, and sorting through and like, is it right? Um, so I, I like those activities where if you can, it might be blocked by your network or something, you know, there's ways around that, like think of a topic, take a screenshot, bring it in the next day, put it on your board and have the kids pick it apart. Right. Uh, there's lots of possibilities with it and, and it can be fun and it can save time. Like we know there's tons of positives and benefits, but um, it also does bring challenges too. And, that is one thing I did want to ask you about because like you have had a lot of different experiences in education and in speaking at conferences. Uh, what are some of the things that you are hearing 
or that you focus on when it comes to like ethical considerations or things, you know, educators should really be mindful of when it comes to AI in the classroom? Yeah, that's a good question. I was just thinking like when you talked about a lot of networks are blocking it, Breakout EDU has a little chat bot called Byte that's connected to like ChatGPT 3.5. You can use it as a class. You're not violating anything. You don't have to create any kind of like accounts with it. And but you could still have the kids like interact it, with it as a bell ringer or things like that. There's little ways and we try to highlight them in, in my book, some ways that we can use it from a teacher center point of view. And then there's also applications and implications from a student center point of view. The most important thing that we need to realize is um, um, and I think we briefly talked about this before that we started like AI has been around a long time. It's not necessarily new. What's new is it's easy access to us. So we have to realize that these new tools have a lot of security concerns, right? Um, uh, you can't just, you know, create, uh, create accounts and have the kids do it. There's a lot of implications of like, um, based on like 42 states have some version of student data privacy rules, which is why I said you need to have some sort of academic integrity policy about or procedure on how you use it. So you have to be really careful about the security concerns and 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 how they're using it. And two, um, you have to realize that these things, um, you, you think that you can put guardrails on them, but sometimes they go off the rails a little bit and you have to know how to prepare your teachers, I'll give you an example. Imagine they're both, they're, um, students in middle school are doing a George Washington search. And you might run into something where uh, one set, they're all using some version of a chatbot or some version of AI to answer the question. And one might highlight, one chat might highlight from the same tool, um, something about him being a slave owner, not just the hero of the American Revolution. And then another one might talk about its highlight. Another student might find out that this chatbot's talking about all the great things about George Washington. And you're going to have this kinds of realiza realization um, that, you know, they're, they're not always going to have the same kind of consistent answers because these chatbots are just going to mimic what they've learned in past. And there's going to be lots of things and you're never going to repeat it. Um, it's never going to say the same thing twice. So realize that if you are planning on doing some sort of wading into the towel of working with students with it, that um, there's a lot of ways that you have to realize that the conversation is going to be, hey, I'm going to take an instructional risk here. I've never done this before. We might find things that we're totally surprised at. And me uh, and me as a teacher and you as our students, we're going to figure this out together and like be open minded about the fact that it is going to be a challenge if you do have a district or school that's allowing you to use it. Um, so we have the security concerns. We have the fact that, you know, you might be surprised at some of the, the things that come out of it. Um, and I, we could talk forever about it because me. <laughs> so those but the basic things are make sure you have a policy too. make sure that you realize that you're taking an instructional risk and make sure that that's OK. Teachers need to take instructional risks to be okay and realize that my wife does things like for her kids, she's high school, junior, sophomore, and seniors, and she does things like SAT prep. So she'll use five words that she wants to have this week and she'll create like an essay uh, or a meaningful actual real conversation or a real writing, excuse me, that the kids can have a conversation about of using those words correctly. It's a really good use of things because we're trying to build, you know, the student's capacity for vocabulary. And so she uses it at a way as a way to use authentic SAT vocabulary as part of the process and finding it in real sentences instead of trying to do all this research on Google to find all five of these words in one piece of writing. So there's lots of really easy teacher ways that we can use it that can really help you in planning. And we've had, I'm, I think from many of the things that you've already talked about in your Thriving EDU, they should already have them. But there's also a lot of new things that may come up as far as moral dilemmas and ethical concerns that you need to realize we're all trying to figure it out. And it's okay that we're not all fully prepared.
So Rachel, Rochelle, I mean, that's kind of where we're at. <laughs> yeah. And that, that is, you just reminded me of the one thing that I was, I was going to mention is when you did the survey, the number of teachers that like schools that don't have a policy, because it's not something that we've ever really had to deal with before. Right. And I, and I think part of it too, is like some schools and people that I've spoken with, they've tried to think about like, how are we going to, well, where are we going to find the time to rewrite this whole technology plan? And, and I don't see that it has to be that it's a fully rewritten plan. Like you're just talking about like one aspect of it. And I've seen some examples that are very short and sweet, you know, like if you're going to use chat GPT, like here's the APA, MLA, whatever citation you need for right. it. And it's giving that credit because the reality of it, and, and you know, is I, I could be working on something and I, I call like, hey, Micah, I need the answer to this. Like cheating and plagiarism is not something new, like pre-technology no. back in the 1900s, you could still pay for, pay somebody to do an essay for you <laughs> yes, or you whatever. And you, you may or may not have gotten caught. And so I don't, I, I hope that it shifts from the, you know, I gotcha, I'm trying to catch you to, okay, like, we know this is here. So how can we use it? And so when we think about AI goes to school, see what I did there? I tried to make it work. That was, that was really good. That was good, really good, Rashad. Good, good point. So, so when we think about the first day, no, I'm kidding. When we think about, you know, AI goes to school and the big adventure for everybody involved uh, and for anybody who's like, why does she keep saying AI goes to school? Because that is Micah's upcoming book, yes. which is going to be a great resource. Um, and the thing I I, I love about what you, what you do, uh, and, and I'll say, I mean, I do too. It's like, we're, we're in the schools, we're in classrooms, like we have the conversations. And so we know what the concerns are. Um, and what the, you know, pain, everybody says pain points and everything, but you have this book coming up. And of course, uh, educators are going to be able to access that. So I'll drop all the links in the show notes, but could you share, you know, maybe some sneak peek into the content or any, Thing other, I mean, we've talked about a lot of things, yeah. but are there some things that you really want people to know that they can get from your book? Yeah. Um, so there are a lot of AI tools and I don't focus on the AI tools. I talk about what you would call, you and I might know it's called the foundation models. So I talk about how you can use Bing chat, which is what it was titled, um, and how you can use Google Bard, which is probably going to be the biggest educational technology use. They actually, Google Bard just opened it for teens to use and, and as part of their beta process. And I talk about chat GPT, of course, and I talk about cloud and cloud too, and how they can work. So my book is broken up in three parts, student-centered, is only a small part of it. A lot of it is about AI literacy, helping us build as teachers ways to help build our planning, um, to be, imagine planning one third as long for three times as many uh, small groups, including sentence frames and differentiation and all those things that you can do with the help of an AI tool, like one of the ones that I followed, the foundation models, and um, how that can really help differentiate and personalize your instruction. And, and another thing I talk about is some really breakdown parts of like security concerns and some examples. I have an appendix at the end of the book that's like, hey, you want to talk about an academic integrity policy? Here are the steps to go through that and let's figure it out. You know, So there's some practical tips as well um, about it. But I also know that, and you and I know how fast these things move. Multimodal models, like my manuscript was done a couple months ago, and multimodal models, which I had prefaces like, hey, they're coming, are like all over here and going to continue to stay. So you realize that the book itself is useful in the sense of it gives you a good foundation and a really good like base base practice for how you can use it. But I also am very open in the book about, hey, there's a lot of 
interesting and amazing things that will happen beyond this book, but this will give you the basic foundation of AI literacy knowledge for you to build upon. It talks about history resources like you and I both know, we're both professional uh, community leaders and um, things like that where they can kind of go to in their own ways and build their own reference. So it's basically um, Snapchat or the, the sneak peek is, it's gonna give you a lot of tools to be able to have a base knowledge of it so that as these things move so fast, you can always go back to that as a reference point and realize that even as a teacher-centered tool, it can do some amazing things. And um, I use it for curriculum mapping and there's a lot of other really practical applications that save time so I can focus on students more because the end goal is, I call it uh, my original title, which changed it up a little bit, was Harnessing AI for a Human-Centered Education. And the important part is it's a human-centered education. These are just tools to help you. If, Rochelle, you know your kids really well, you know what works and ticks for your hundred and some kids, you can personalize things and, and, and let, that you would never be able to do without them. And that's the takeaway, that this is supposed to free you up from some of the automated things so that you can really focus on human relationships. And then you want to have those human conversations about, hey, when can I use AI? And that's where we go forward from there. So... Yeah. And I, I love that. Uh, the, you know, I don't know how many times, like I had written something recently and cause I have a couple books in the, in the works cause yeah, um, no, you do who, needs, who needs to sleep. But you know, I've, I was looking back at some of the prior articles I'd written about AI and then just some of the other things. And uh, like this one, I luckily caught myself. I had said a couple of times about like the relationships, like when it can freeze some of that time that takes you away from your students exactly. or your colleagues, like that's what it makes a difference. And uh, I, I like projects. I like looking at student work. I don't want everything to be automated. I have a student in my, in my eighth grade class who's like, I don't need AI to do. And like they run through this list of all these <laughs> things. I go, well, I could take AI to do that for me because I, I would definitely use that time wisely yeah. doing something else. But um uh, but I love the way the breakdown that you that you gave us for what your book is going to look like. I definitely like the title that you have, like AI goes to school, and that's exciting. And I'm sure you cannot wait for it to be available. When will it be available? Yeah. So originally I thought it was going to be December, uh, but there was some issues because it's, it's this is uh, I use the visuals at our AI generated content for for some of the visuals, and so there was a conversation with, you know back in Amazon was changing some rules. So we had to wait a second to see what those rules look like. So it's, I wrote the book, but I used some AI art and there was a conversation about that. So hopefully January is when it's supposed to launch and awesome. I'll be happy to drop the line. And if you follow me on LinkedIn or uh, follow my website, I'll let you know the exact date, but it's done and they're in the works and they're doing the final post-production and times 10 hey. publications, like I said, has been a good partner in trying to build as fast as possible with such a fast paced like yeah. arena that we're in. Mm -hmm. I know. And it seems like sometimes like you write something and then you have to like, I have to change that already. Like it just, you know, it's especially so in the last couple you know? of weeks, you know, like, yeah, oh, exactly. goodness. But but that's OK, because that's the way it's going right now. And so right. we we just have resources and understanding what AI is. So hopefully and I shouldn't say hopefully, I know that after this conversation, everybody <laughs> is probably breathing like a sigh of relief because it can be stressful just to think about like, oh, it's this other thing. And, you know, what's it going to mean for my job or my teaching? And how am I ever going to learn all I need to know? We're never going to learn everything. We just have to just keep learning and not stop. Like that's, that's what you just need to focus on. Just don't stop. Just start learning about it and keep learning and don't be afraid to not know the answers to things like learn from the exactly. kids, learn from the educators that, that you're working with. If you're not in the classroom and uh, any last things that you would like to share. Um, outside of just being professionally humble, like you said, you I'm just reiterating what you already said, be professionally humble and realize the world's changed and it's okay. We can change too. So thanks Rochelle.
Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for joining me. It's always nice to have somebody to talk to on my podcast. <laughs> and uh, for everybody who's listening, be sure to subscribe. Like I said, join the Facebook community and I will drop all of the links into the show notes and we will catch you the next time.